Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Sanctification is work. It's work on our part. And God is at the root of the work. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 9. I entitled this message, Still No Change. You know, have you ever looked at someone like a family member, maybe someone you work with, a close friend, someone that you've known very well, and you say after many years, even decades, you know, they haven't really changed. <laughs> they're, they're just the same person. And maybe that person's prone to anger. Maybe they have bursts of anger. Maybe they lie and they cannot be trusted. I think we all have family members. There's someone in there. It's like, you can't trust that one, okay? Or maybe there's a particular sin that they just can't stop. And again, after decades of looking at their life, all you can say is, yeah, they're the same old person. There is no change in their life. But if the truth be known, if we were honest with ourselves, don't we all have some areas in our lives that we willingly overlook? Areas that we've allowed to go unattended? Areas that we have simply chosen to look the other way? Yes, I'm sure we all have one or two areas as Christians that we haven't dealt with completely. Areas that we're not proud of. It was the Apostle Paul that went into detail on his own frustration with a weakness in his life. Now, he didn't actually share with us exactly the details of what that area of struggle was. But that's okay, for we also don't have to share with everybody what our area of weakness might be. But one thing for sure, we know that what those areas are, just like the Lord knows what those areas are in our life, you know, that we're prone to stumble in. But one thing for sure, acknowledging those areas and truly seeking the Lord for his help in finding victory in that area and overcoming that weakness is a huge start. Like Pastor Shannon finally realizing that cowboys weren't going to make it. See, he repented and now, you know, it's just, I'm just kidding, of course. Well, not really, but anyway. But that's what Paul did, though, in Romans chapter 7. He seemed to come to a place of frustration with the very thing that he struggled with. Now, let me read it to you again. This is a familiar portion of scripture, but but think about what he's saying here in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Paul says, for we know that the law is spiritual. He's saying like the Bible you hold in your hand, we know it's spiritual, right? 
He says, but I'm a flesh. You know, I'm not always spiritual is what he's saying. And I'm sold into the bondage of sin. There's still sin in my life that's frustrating him. Verse 15, he says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I want to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. You ever been in that position? I have. I mean, it's a frustrating place to be in. Like, why am I doing this? I know it's wrong. It's hurting me. It's hurting others around me. And yet I'm still doing it. How frustrating is that? He goes on in verse 19. He says, for the good that I want to do, I do not do. Like, wait a minute. I should be doing this, but I'm not doing it. But I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. Verse 21, he says, I find then, like I've discovered this about me is what he's saying, the principle that evil is present in me. Like he's understanding like, good grief, I got a sin nature in me. The one who wants to do good, like I want to do good, but I got this little thing of evil inside of me. Verse 24, he just says, it's like he throws up his hands in frustration. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of sin and death. Like, I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you have got to this place somewhere in your life. I've been there a few times, you know? And it's like, it's like this sounds like a frustrated man, a man who's been battling with this area of sin, a man who is just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, and if it sounds like a frustrated man, it's because it is. And all of us, you know, have been at some point in our life, you know, we have all been at this very place. Paul was so discouraged in his own failure that he called himself wretched. Think about that. That word in the original language, it means that Paul felt that he had become nothing more than a miserable brokenhearted, pitiful, and dejected man. And he's like crying out here in Romans 7, who is going to free me from this body of sin and death? Now, this is the same place that we all arrive in at some point. And it usually happens after the devil points his little bony finger in our face and he says, and you call yourself a Christian. How could God love somebody as pathetic as you? You're nothing more than a hypocrite. If I were you, I would never show my face in church again if these people only knew who you really were. And that's when Many Christians will put their arm around the devil. (laughs) You're right. I am such a wretch. I am a pathetic Christian. You know, how could God love a miserable wretch like me? Stop that. (laughs) It's like, don't agree with the devil. Don't come to him. Listen, the Bible says in Revelation 12.10, that he is known as the accuser of the brethren and the sisters. So the devil will come to the Lord. He has access to get into heaven. And then he will stand before God and he'll say, how can you love that wretch, Pastor Steve? 
How can you love him? Look at that. He is speeding on the freeway. (laughs) It's like, not that I've ever done that. Well, okay, I have done that. Okay, so it's like, you know, and he points his finger. And the thing is, he, at least at that point, is telling the truth. And, but yet this is where God says, but he is mine. And this is where God says, but she is mine. She is mine. He's mine. These are all mine. As he pulls out his big God wallet and folds down all these pictures and, and there they are. They're right there, you know. I mean, you know, there's Mel. There's Mel. There's wife's Carrie, you know, right there. You know, there's Geo right there. You know, it's just like, boom. It's like, these are my children. And I have justified them. Wow. So we cannot listen to the voice of the devil along with his tainted truth for his accusations that he makes against us in many times. You know, yes, it's true because we are guilty of sin. Yet the outcome is completely different. In fact, Paul immediately goes into verse 25 of chapter 7 and he says, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Like he's sitting there all frustrated with himself, a wretched man that I am. I'm a dejected, miserable man. But then in the very next verse, he says, but thanks be to the Lord Jesus. Yes, thanks be to Jesus because he died for our sins. And in Romans 8, 1, again, there's no chapter breaks in the original. So this is a continuous thought that goes from where he says, but thanks be to Jesus. And he says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And by the way, it's period right there. Why do I say that? Because if you have a King James Bible or a new King James Bible, see if you have a new American Standard Bible like I, it's a better translation of the original Greek and Hebrew. But if you have a King James and a new King James, look at it right now, because it goes on to say, you know, after it says there is no, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why does he say that? Because he's just coming off of all this condemnation. But the King James adds this. And if you have any kind of a quality Bible, it'll have a little mark in there. And then you look at the little side note and it says, and this part was not in the original text. But it goes on to say in the King James, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Doesn't that just kind of invalidate Verse 1 now, because it says, let me read it to you how the King James has it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. Well, now, well, I'd walk after the flesh. So therefore, there's condemnation for me because I'm walking after the flesh. See, it invalidates the verse. That's why that is not there. It's not there. It's not in the original. It's just there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whether you're walking in the spirit or you're not walking in the spirit, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. That's what the Bible teaches. Let's take a moment to grasp onto this solid biblical principle. You might be thinking, aren't we supposed to be in Exodus? Yes. (laughs) You're like, well, what does this have to do with Exodus? Well, it'll all come around in the end. But trust me, Exodus has been there for 3,500 years. It'll be there in a few minutes when we get there. Okay, but anyway, but this is important, and I want to spend a little time with this. So how are we as sinners renewed? Okay, it all starts, of course, with Jesus 
and him dying on the cross for us. Now you have to understand this. You might have to go back and rewatch this again on your computer or on your app because I want you to fully understand this. this is really important here. Jesus bore our sin on his body, thus forgiving us of our sins. But how does that work if I'm like going to sin on Tuesday or if I just sinned last Wednesday? How does that work, okay, when we're still dealing with the sin in our lives? Okay, that's a good question because we as Christians really need to grasp on to this. Let's take a look at two words that I would like to define. And as Christians, we have to understand these two words. One of them is justification. Justification. That word means just as if we've never sinned. And the other one is sanctification. Now, again, justification means that it's just like we've never sinned before. God gives us justification. He he justifies us. So he makes us, even though you know you sin, even though I know I sin, God makes us as if we didn't sin. This is the biggest perk ever of coming to Christ, okay? Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, meaning you've come to Christ by faith, have asked him into your heart, therefore, God has justified you. Now, because he makes you as if you've never sinned, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for your sin and made it all possible. Okay, this is huge. This is monumental. Now, sanctification means a process of being set apart and made free from sin. So one is just a spiritual gift given to us. Boom, it's just like we've never sinned. Sanctification is we're going to walk this thing out in this life. And it's a process. It's to be purified. It's to be just like him. First Peter 1 puts it like this in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for he is holy. Okay, so God looks at us, he justifies us immediately, just like we've never sinned. Sanctification is, we gotta walk this out to where we actually look like God and we're not sinning in our life. Now, are we ever gonna be sinless? No, but the sanctification process allows us to sin less and sin less and sin less. This is the process. Now with proper understanding of these two terms. Follow me here for a moment. Justification is an act and God just did it. Boom. You're justified. You're just like you've never sinned before. Like he looks at you. You're like pure and holy. You're not pure and holy. I'm not pure and holy, but God sees us that way because boom, he just did it as an act. So all we're required to do is believe it and accept it. Praise Jesus. Sanctification is work. It's work on our part. And God is at the root of the work. So how does that work? Well, Jesus broke the back of sin at the cross. And God gives us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us along with his power to overcome sin. 
So get this. I, I love the verse in Philippians 2, 12. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, if I got to work out my own salvation, it's definitely going to be with fear and trembling. Okay? <laughs> like, like, how am I going to work out my own salvation, right? So when you're reading Philippians chapter 2, 12, you're just thinking like, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, I'm trembling. How am I going to work it out? That's why you never take a verse out of context. What's he saying in the next verse? Because it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's not up to you. It's up to him working with you and him giving you the power to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, so that it's not up to you, but it is a process that you're a part of and God fully expects all of us to be walking in that path of sanctification. Understand, this is a lifelong process. It, you know, from the time you give your life to the cry, to Christ until the time that we go home to Jesus, until we look at him eye to eye in heaven. Again, get this, don't lose this. Justification declares us, the sinner, righteous. We are made righteous through his justification. That was a free gift that he just did. Boom, done. While sanctification makes the sinner righteous so that we actually walk it out where people can see it by our changed lifestyle. Justification removes the guilt and penalty of sin, while sanctification removes the growth in the power of sin. It's not going to continue to grow in me because I'm going to recoil from those things. God is like a master interior and exterior decorator. He justified us inside and out, by the washing of us by his blood that he dripped for us on the cross. Once we invite Jesus inside of our heart, we were instantly cleansed of our sin. Yet there is a further cleansing needed on the interior of our lives. For we still have areas of those secret recesses in our hearts that maybe no one else sees that are sinful and they need to be dealt with. Sanctification is the process that God uses to make us sinners whom he has declared righteous, actually righteous where people can see it. Like, Man, what's different about you? You're not the same person. You used to laugh at the dirty jokes. You don't laugh at them anymore. You don't cuss anymore. See, that's the sanctification process where people can actually see the change in us. Yes, God looks at us like we're sinless, but people will still look at us and see everything that they see. So if you're angry, be angry no more. If you're, you know, Hateful, be hateful no more. It's walking out our faith. The Bible says in Romans 6.10, for the death that he died, that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. Jesus didn't have to come down and die again. You sin tomorrow, he didn't have to come down and die again. He died once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we're dead to sin now, and we're alive to God. Does that make any sense? Some of you are thinking, no, (laughs) it doesn't make any sense. But it just means this, that we no longer have to sin. 
You don't have to sin. Like if you're sinning and you're living in a sinful lifestyle right now, and you're a Christian, you don't have to be in bondage to that sin anymore. You can now say no, because God has given you the Holy Spirit of God and has given you the power to say no to that thing. We can now love the unlovable. Before, just be like, you're an idiot, get out of my face. But now, we can look at them through a different prism, right? We can look at them through God's eyes and say, you know what? They're a jerk just like I was a jerk before. So I'm actually going to love this person. I'm going to love on them. And who knows? They might come to know Christ like I come to know Christ. See, you have the choice to do that now because you've been set free. We can now forgive people that we would have never forgiven in the past. Those people that hurt us and harmed us and kicked us while we were down. Now we can love them and we can forgive them. Why? Because Christ has forgiven me. And if he can forgive me, I can forgive this dirtbag over here that hurt me. See, I can do that now. We can now walk in the newness of life. Again, all this is possible because of the work of sanctification. And it's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, a peace of God that comes to live in every believer. That's why he says, do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? And he will help us if we ask him for his help. So if you're struggling in a sin, are you asking God for his help? He will strengthen you if you seek his strength. Are you seeking his strength? Are you seeking that sanctification process? Are you saying, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. Are you going to get frustrated with your life like the apostle Paul did? Man, the things that I don't want to do, I'm doing those things. But the things that I want to do, I don't do those. Oh, wretched man that I am. Are you sick of that? Oh, wretched woman that I am. Good, be sick of it. And then ask the Lord to help you and to strengthen you. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Again, if we seek his power, he will give us his power. If we seek his might, he will give us his might. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What does that mean? We have a treasure in earthen vessels, meaning our bodies. We have a treasure that God has invested in us in this body so that the surpassing greatness of power will be of God and not from ourselves. So you don't have to rely on you because you will always fail you. Just like I have failed me many times. I have failed me, I've failed my wife, I've failed my kids at times. And it's like, but yet with the Lord, we don't have to fail. We can do things that we could never do in our own self. Embrace this fact. Once again, once we come as Christ, his justification, his sanctification process, it kicks in the very day. All that works to our best because of God's mercy and his grace. But in the same way, when people reject grace, when they reject God, you know, because you know, you talk to people now about Jesus and they're like, uh, nah, I don't think so. You know, it's almost like you're buying a new car. Did you want the $1,500, uh, you know, moonroof? You know, it's like, nah, nah, I don't really need it. Or maybe I do. You know, I mean, people are so flippant about the Lord now because why? They think they're righteous. 
They think they're good. Like, I'm a good person. You ask most people. Not criminals, not the smash and grab, not all of this carjacking people and people that are killing everybody. Not those people, but just people. It doesn't matter what color they are. It could be any color because God loves everybody. And it's like, so he goes to them and he knocks on the, on the door of their heart and says, I'd like to come in. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if I need it, you know. I'm a good person, you know. I got a chihuahua, you know. It's like a rescue dog, you know. I mean, you know, it's just like people just like, they're so flippant about it. But the only reason we're going to heaven is because of this great justification and sanctification process that God started in our life. Now, if you don't have that, you're not going to heaven. I don't care how good of a person you think you are. Because now, to the person who refuses to humble themselves before the mighty hand of God and accept his grace and mercy and justification in their life, they're going to have to deal with God according to his law of total perfection. In God's law of total perfection, the only way you get to heaven, you have to be perfect. People say, well, no one's perfect. Exactly. Nobody can get to heaven outside of Christ. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.